Blog Talk Radio. this Sunday, August 7th, 2016. I'm JB, along with EJ on the Sunday afternoon slash evening, and we're glad to have each and every one of you along for the ride with us. We'll have our good friend uh, Casey Stern from uh, MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM joining us in about 15 minutes. And, uh, you know, uh, EJ, I feel like we're in the midst of summer. We've been uh, ripening a crop all year round. And uh, that crop is ripe for the picking today. And what the harvest has yielded is hot takes. Because I have a feeling we're going to have a hell of a lot of hot takes today. Yeah, I've got a feeling this show is going to take a tone not familiar with the tone that this show has taken in the past, say, call it season and a half. Yeah, we've had a couple blips here and there that we've talked about. But for the most part, we truly have been the happy recap since, uh, since about last trading deadline. And here we are a week past the current trading deadline. And uh, I am definitely feeling different today than I was feeling on that day last year. As I'm looking at my time house today and I'm, I'm praising, Oh, Wilmer. And then I actually tweeted on this day last year, this baseball season is so much fun. Well, <laughs> I got a completely different take about where this current baseball season is. You know, it's one of the things, it's it's certainly one where I've seen a lot of people refer to this season as being the least fun, uh, the uh, the worst ever. And I think, I, I do think that, you know, to an extent, as a fan base, myself included, we have a tendency to overreact because of where we were at last year. I'm sorry, I felt 1987 was worse. I just did. It's just kind of how it, how it is. But at the same time, that doesn't mean it has sucked any less. And, you know, to, to then have you know, the Mets play the way they've played, um, I think the stat I saw from uh, Michael Barron was something, uh, or it may have been Rich McLeod, one of the two guys there, uh, that uh, the Mets are 41 and 47 since May 8th. And it's like, excuse me? Holy crap. You know, it just kind of puts into perspective how bad they have been since basically early May when, you know, several things started washing, you know, washing up. Uh, you know, obviously the latest of many injuries to Travis Darno hit about that time. Uh, Michael Conforto got lost at the plate around that time. Um, you know, pitching obviously was an enigma with Mr. Harvey at that point. And now the latest is, and I know you want to weigh in on this, and I just want to jump right into this topic is, Collins were my grandpa, I'd be asking him if it's time for an MRI or a CT scan right now. He has just said the most bizarre crap over the last 36 hours that I can't fathom it. Yeah, you know, it, I did actually was talking to my dad about it before, and he seriously brought up was Terry having a senior moment, and he wasn't joking. That's how weird it's been. And I guess a lot of the animosity with Terry started back at, with the All-Star rubbish that he didn't play a Met in the game, but he played everyone else to that. I say, whatever, but yeah, over the past two days, Terry has really taken a path of, uh, I see people questioning on the Twitterverse is Terry trying to get himself fired. And I remember when that question was raised about Bobby Valentine and Bobby pretty much broke down in tears. He was so furious at the notion that he was trying to get him fired. Whereas I don't know if that would be Terry's reaction right now. If somebody implied that and, 
it all started before yesterday's game when the lineup comes out, and it, it was just oh. insane when I log on and I see Mets Twitter is aflame about how bad the lineup is. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, all right, Mets Twitter reacts to every single lineup every single day in this manner. Let me go ahead and see how bad it really is. Oh, my God, it's that bad. You've got Ty Kelly playing in, uh, in left field. You've got Renee Rivera, a defensive specialist catcher, as your designated hitter. One of the rare times you actually get to put a legitimate bat in the lineup and you put Renee Rivera. And you have Michael Conforto and Brandon Nimmo nowhere to be found in this lineup. These guys are on the bench. So two, two particular tweets were sent out pregame that pretty much put me in a place that I haven't felt as a Mets fan regarding Terry Collins in a very long time. And the first one came from uh, Anthony DiComo, who says Terry Collins literally just said part of the reason he built his lineup the way he did was in anticipation of pinch hitting for the designated hitter. Number that's why you have a from, designated hitter. Thank you. <laughs> and that's why you aren't using your backup catcher as one. Because if you yank him out of the game, Terry, and something happens to Travis Darno, you are now in a situation where Neil Walker is your catcher. So that's problem one. Then number two came on the question of Conforto and Nemo. He also said regarding Conforto, are we going to develop guys or put the best lineup we think is going to win? Right now we need to win some games. Okay, I get that Terry wants to win some games, and I get that he wants to – he would put winning games ahead of, quote, developing some guys. But at the same time, if Terry Collins truly believes in his right mind that Renee Rivera and Ty Kelly are a more of a winning option than Brandon Nimmo and Michael Conforto, no matter how bad they're struggling, then Terry Collins needs to go because his evaluation of major league talent is completely gone. It's eradicated. Perry had no clue what he was doing yesterday, and we'll get to the postgame stuff after we finish this stuff off because that was even more egregious in some ways. But I just feel that right now, Perry is just – he's out there. He is out in left field, and I have no idea what he's doing. I have no – every manager makes questionable calls. Every manager, yeah. like you always say, every fan base hates their manager's bullpen management. So I, I totally give him a wash on that even though the, the situation with Familia a few days ago was awful in itself. But this guy is putting lineups out, out there that literally make 0% sense. And I have never been a fire this guy, fire that guy, let him go. I have never been rah rah on firing of managers or coaches. Yeah, sometimes I think mixing it up could be good. But pretty much since Bobby Valentine, I've probably been a little too lenient with every single manager. I definitely thought that Jerry Manuel, I, I kind of supported him a bit too long. Willie got a lot of good grace from me. Art Howe, I, all right, I was kind of quick to say we should fire Art Howe like pretty much the day he was hired, but that's beyond. I have not been quick to say managers should get fired. I'm looking at, at this manager right now, and I'm saying this is a guy who's lost it, and I don't think he can bring it back. Does he control injuries? Absolutely not. He cannot control the injuries. He cannot control what he has at his disposal to replace those injuries, but the things he can control are in-game moves, giving yourself the best chance to win with the best lineup, and right now he is failing enthusiastically at both. You know, the thing about it is that I've been a, a strong proponent, at least of giving the manager a pass, and this is kind of baseball-wide, uh, because we, we know the, the days, you know, what the modern role of the manager is. 
Um, and I think, you know, my understanding was kind of thrown for a bit of a loop because I thought, quite frankly, uh, and maybe and maybe there is more to this that, that we don't know, but the, the I was always kind of the you know the the uh, umpre- impression that most managers, including Terry, write up a lineup card every day, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, um, and that really there's a computer somewhere telling them what they should be putting in their lineup. You know, and with the the advice inputted from the uh, from the uh, general manager and his staff, and you know John Rico and 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 those guys. But uh, you know those the lineup yesterday. There is no way Sandy in his right mind, and even with all no. of the medical things he's been through this year, there is no way he approves of the Mets to put out a lineup like this. There's simply no way that anybody in authority above Terry Collins, because it is simply one of the most absurd lineups I have seen, you know, as far as when the talent is available. And yes, I Testing one, two. Hey, we're experiencing a little bit of technical difficulty here on our end. We apologize to our listeners. As the faithful of the Happy Recap Radio Show know that Blog Talk Radio and the Happy Recap don't always get along. Uh, yes, we do pay for the service. I know we've been asked that a few times, and they say, "What do you expect it's free?" No, we pay pretty pretty heftily for this this site. So uh, my frustrations right now, Terry Collins now being compounded by Blog Talk Radio, really getting the blood flowing. So this this should be good. But uh, as JB was saying, that the manager's job is limited here. He, he really knows what he's supposed to do on a daily basis. He's supposed to constantly check the temperature of the team, make sure he knows who's going through what. Who knows what's going on in his own clubhouse. He needs to know what's going to happen in this game that will best benefit my team and give us the best chance to win. And honestly, over the past couple of days, I don't feel that Terry Collins is doing that. I don't know why. I really don't know why Terry. I don't believe that Terry Collins is dumb enough to truly believe that Brandon Nimmo and Michael Conforto are not a better option than Rene Rivera or uh, Ty Kelly. I don't believe that he, he believes that. So I don't understand what the purpose of putting out a lineup like that is. And then the comments about, are we here to develop guys? Well, my answer to that is absolutely you're here to develop guys. You've got a young team. Yeah, and they come to you at this point. Yeah, they're young. They've got some experience in the minors, but no player is ever coming to you from AAA. Oh, here he is. He's done. He's finished. He's all set. He's a major league baseball player. He's at his age 27 to age 30 peak of his career now. Any guy under those ages should still be developing. I look at a guy like Lucas Duda who feels like he's been here forever. I want him to be developing more. And, and uh, to just sit here and say that, oh, well, we, we, we can't just waste time developing these guys in order to try to win games, that's BS. Brandon Nimmo, I don't know what he's going to be. I, a lot of people are lower on him than I, I thought that we would be. I see a lot of people calling him a fourth outfielder. I'm not sure his high side is that low. I think he's a little more than that. And as of last year, the majority of us were considering Michael Conforto a friggin' eventual all-star. So do I want you to go ahead and develop a friggin' eventual all-star, or do I want you to play Ty Kelly? And then what happens today when you actually do play Conforto? Look, 
I know that he's struggling. I know that some of the at-bats are going to look bad, but the kid still has the chance to run into a fastball the way he did today and park it opposite field. And that's just what you want to see out of him. So to, to, the developing comment really, really got under my skin and struck me in the wrong way because it's not something that you want to have a manager, I'll be the oldest manager in the majors, talking about these very young kids coming up to his team. You know, and I look at it too. When I when I look at the, you know, I, you talk about Nimmo, and I think I think you're right. I mean, for me, I think, you know, in 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 what the New York Mets need to be over the next couple of years, is he more than a fourth outfielder? I am not sure. That being said, you don't play him a little, you don't know for sure. I think on a lower division team, I do think he's a, a starting outfielder. Uh, but you know, when you look at, I mean, you look at certain things like, I mean, the way the Mets have played in this division. You have to realize you are working in a universe where just down the road, Bryce Harper is batting two thirty three, And the Nationals, and Gio Gonzalez has an ERA north of Logan Verrett's, actually aren't that good, and we still can't beat them. I mean, now, admittedly, the injury bug has, has bit us way worse than it did them last year. But at the end of the day, you know, I, obviously, I think we're all at a point where we kiss the division goodbye. There's no, I mean, yeah. barring a major collapse by the Nationals. You know, and you have to look at it from a standpoint of, okay, we're still in it on the wild card somehow. I'm not sure how. Somehow, it, it almost seems like, no, it's okay, you can have it. No, 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 really, it's all right, you can have it. No, 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 really, I, I couldn't think of it. Go ahead. I mean, that's how, the, that's how that second wild card spot feels to me right now. But, you know, it's like I said all along. The Mets, this Mets team is just kooky enough that they could wind up with a 10-game winning streak, and I don't think I would be surprised. I'd be shaking my head a little bit, but I don't think I'd be totally surprised. That being said, unlike last year, I don't feel the fire in the belly to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, with everybody hurt, I just don't think you, you have the ability to make it happen. I, I mock Duda a lot, but, I mean, if he's out for the year, that, that's a blow to your team. I mean, if you, you want to be a team that hits lots of solo home runs, he's going to give you a better option to do that than James Loney, despite how good I feel that Loney's been, which is very good. But, really, I mean, you look at this team top to bottom, yeah, I mean, you say that they could rip off 10 straight. I mean, I look at this team. They haven't won back-to-back games in a month. In a month since they won back-to-back games. That's insanity that they could be this mediocre for such a long part of the season and still consider themselves any type of contender for any postseason play. I mean, I really feel like right now you're looking at, okay, if we can hang around, maybe we get a healthy Cespedes back. Maybe we get a healthy Reyes back. But is that really going to help the team that much? Maybe Sandy Alderson goes out and gets a Juan Uribe. Okay, that helps a little bit. But the problem is, I mean, you can't expect – anybody to put up the numbers that Daniel Murphy was putting up late last year. You can't expect Cespedes to get back and all of a sudden start putting up his August numbers. Those are astronomical. Those are, you don't see months like that out of players many times in an entire career. You just can't expect these guys to come in and start hitting lights out. Not to mention the fact that you mentioned him, you're going to be rolling out Logan there every few days because it doesn't sound like Wheeler's going to be ready for a little while. So, I mean, I just don't see the pieces being there to complete a, a significant pennant run, and I agree with you that the the, the division is it is far down at this point. Yeah, and like I said, if you, if you, if you really if you really feel like you're out of it, then you know it's time for the wholesale changes, and obviously not a sell off because it's certainly too late for that. 
but uh, you know, certainly to look forward to next year and, and and try somebody out. I mean, you know, in this particular scenario, if this was two years from now, you know, would would Terry Collins be starting Matt Reynolds over on Ed Rosario because he doesn't want to develop new talent? Or would we be seeing James Loney at first instead of Dom Smith? I mean, now admittedly, you know, again, we're looking to the future here, but you know, you still have to ask questions because. Just some of the comments from Terry Collins have been so bizarre these past couple of days. But uh, we've got our guest on the line, and I, I so desperately want to get him to weigh in on this because, quite frankly, any hot take you and I, EJ, could come up with that we, we don't got the we don't got the gravitas that our guest does. Sirius XM MLB Network Radio, Casey Stern. Good afternoon, my friend. What's going on, boys? How are we doing? How's everything going? Well, you know, the the, the uh, we we got to the other side of the uh, lawn and found the grass was crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, look, uh, I don't want to be the I told you so guy, but I did come on anywhere that wanted to talk to me, including here before the season, and I thought the Nationals were the best team in this division. I think clearly they're the best team in this division now. And I think, you know, in listening to what you guys were saying before I came on, everybody's going to kind of pinpoint we can we'll go through a lot of these things and you know terry's done some kind of crazy dumb stuff and you know this guy's hurt and that guy shouldn't be golfing at the end of the day this is not a very good (laughs) baseball team i mean that's that's what it comes down to this is not a very good baseball team the best player on your team the last two months has been james loney arguably the best over the last three weeks is alejandro deaza you can honestly take those two sentences and it tells you everything you need to know nothing else What's the song? Nothing really matters. Uh, nothing really matters after that. You know, I think the frustration <sighs> is because the the expectation being so high coming into this season, and I think as Mets fans, we were we were anointing guys that we shouldn't have been anointing. We had Michael Conforto as an All Star again. We had uh, we had Travis Darno. He was wearing the mantra as the catcher of the future again, and really. We we just we haven't seen any type of true development out of either of those guys, leaving gaping holes in the lineup from the healthy guys. Not even mentioning the guys who aren't here. The healthy guys that you can stick in the lineup are doing nothing to produce right now. Yeah, I mean, look, they had some disappointment. The Conforto thing really hurt them. I mean, you know, the idea that he could be the number three hitter for the next ten years is a great idea, and it's possible. But I kind of equate it to the Luis Severino situation in New York with the Yankees on the other side. I actually like both of those players the same way I did before the season began. But in both cases, way too much pressure. Conforto was needed way too much. Severino was supposed to then go ahead and all of a sudden go and be the Yankees' best starter a second after Tanaka. And I think, you know, when you get the great players, the Correas, the Trouts of the world, yeah, those guys immediately will be great and they'll always be great. Conforto's not at that level. He, he's going to be a really good hitter, I think, in this league. But this is not an MVP player. I don't think he's winning a batting title. And really, he doesn't have a position, uh, which is, to me, the biggest problem. But I think, you know, that disappointment hurt them. More than anything else, this team was going to have to ride their pitching. Harvey went down. You've got issues with both Mats and Syndergaard, who I will tell you, I think this team is way better off long-term if they do not make every start the rest of the year. Um, I hope that they don't make the playoffs in some ways, and if it, if it happens, it happens early so they can both be shut down and get these procedures done. They've got, you know, the Wheeler situation. He was supposed to come back and be a hero. That didn't end up being the case. So there are a lot of things and disappointments that went against them, but when you look at this team the way it is now, who are they better than? They're nowhere near the Giants. 
They're no, I mean, look at them against the Cubs. Every Met fan I know, oh, well, they, we beat the Cubs every time we play them. Go look at the <laughs> Cubs roster compared to the Mets. It's like the Bad News Bears compared to Roy Hobbs. I mean, in the Knights, it's just ridiculous. So I, this is not a playoff team. If they get to the playoffs, it will only be because of mediocrity for the second wild card in the National League. This is not a good baseball team. So what, what do you put your finger on? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, that we, we, we see what the former second baseman, if you can still call him that, um, is doing down in D.C. with his bat, which is, you know, obviously MVP caliber. Uh, but, I mean, their only major subtraction this team made after this year was John Neeson. Thank golly, they corrected that mistake. Uh, you know, I, I guess the question is, you know, where do we go from here? I mean, what is uh, – looking ahead to – because I, I tend to think you're right. I think that falling into the playoffs, uh, especially if they got anywhere by a fluke, would kind of sort of send the message that there's not something massively wrong here. But what, if if you're the one in the chair, what are some of the things you do at the end of the season? All right, first, before, we've got to take a pause and say hallelujah, because you mentioned Murphy. Dilson Herrera is gone. I have been on this show, I don't know how many times, the last two years, talking about how overrated Dilson Herrera is. I have said it nine million times on Twitter. Met fans have told me, how could they trade the guy they let Murphy go for, which is so inaccurate. Nobody in the Mets organization has ever alluded to any of us that they actually let Murphy walk because they thought Dilson Herrera was anything. Thank God, bye, I'll send you a Christmas card. I cannot wait until <laughs> Dilson Herrera becomes a poor man's Josh Harrison on the Pirates. I cannot, I cannot wait. That's number one. Number two, on the rest of what you said, um, I, I think they've got a lot of work to do. I mean, they've got too many positions that they need to fill. Uh, before the season, I, I said this also, Lucas Duda, overrated, great. I'm glad you all love his on-base percentage. The guy for six weeks drives you nuts in six days, hits a million home runs. They should have moved him to the AL for a DH and moved David Wright to first base, and I still contend we still would have David Wright playing if he was playing three or four days a week at first base, not every day at third. Um, and brought in Todd Frazier, if you recall, we had that conversation. Well, that didn't necessarily work out. So now they have no third baseman because I don't. Wright is never going to be an every. He will never be an everyday player ever, ever again. He will come back because he's too tough to give up. So he will come back in some kind of like coach, but playing three days a week role. But he will never play every day ever again. You have no third baseman. Jose Reyes is going to be your opening day second baseman. Um, maybe you're okay with that. I'm not okay with that. That is exactly what is going to happen. That is their plan, and I am not okay with that. Your first baseman is James Loney, who he's done a nice job, but the fact that he's your best player, it's like when people tell me the Islanders' fourth line is their best line. That's not a good thing. <laughs> that's, that's not a good thing. So uh, you have no first baseman. Center field, this is a major issue. The number one target for the Mets six weeks ago, before the Rockies got back in it enough to, to not sell, should have been Charlie Blackman because you needed a leadoff hitter and a center fielder. You didn't go ahead and need Jay Bruce nearly as much as you needed a guy like Blackman because even though I like the Bruce deal, they give up basically nothing. I think you've got to look at center field. It's a major issue. They don't trust Ligaris or like him. They don't. They think they made a mistake, and they probably did. Brandon Nimmo is an extra player. Uh, you've got Deaza, forget him. He's gone. Conforto is going to be at first base, I believe, opening day, and not in center field. Certainly doesn't belong in center field anyway. And Cespedes, I think, is going to opt out. So 
who's playing center field next year? Because I think it's Conforto and left, Bruce and right, and then I, I don't know if one of you plan on playing center, but but I don't. I certainly don't have one. So they have my, a lot of my problems. My ECR is tremendously bad. I'm just saying that. <laughs> so they have a lot yeah, of problems. This is not a great team. It's just not. This was a okay team with a Cespedes run and a Murphy run and a great pitching staff. They're now a banged-up pitching staff without a good team on the field with a great closer, and that's what they are. Well, I feel like then when you look at this offseason, I can't believe we're talking about offseason already, but let's just say let's actually be optimists about the Mets and injuries for a change because we know everything goes well in that regard. Let's say they know they're out of it early enough. You get Mats cleaned up. You get Thor cleaned up. Harvey comes back, and he's, if he's not Harvey of last year, he's – closer to that guy than he was this year. That Let's say that rotation is there again, where you look at it and you say, this is probably one of the top two rotations in all of baseball. Then you look at Sandy Alderson, and we get back to the same thing that we've kind of been saying for two years, that with this rotation, you owe the fans to go for it. You owe your players to go for it. And now you have to go out and, and do what needs to be done to fix all those gaping holes that you just talked about. Is there any possible way? Let's say Cespedes does opt out. So now there's there's money there. If he opts out, is there any possible way to fill all those holes? No, I don't think so. I think you have to pick and choose. First of all, I don't believe – now, look, I, I've been yelled at a million times on Twitter. They're, they're, they're all going to want to come over for Thanksgiving. Um, they're, <laughs> they're really happy with me because I, I don't think – Barring like Independence Day becoming reality and aliens come to Earth, there's no way Cespedes is not opting out. There is no one in the free agent class. Now, you have a couple of hitters he'll battle with. Bautista, who I think will probably be an ALDH somewhere. And you've got Josh Reddick from Matt Holiday at 37. There are a couple of players. There's no pitching. There's, I mean, unless he's worried about Brad Ziegler and Mark Melanson making some of the money he can, he's going to be the highest-paid best player on the market. There is no way on God's green earth he's not opting out because he'll opt out even if he's trying to get more money from the Mets. So he's going to opt out. Um, I don't think he's going to be back here. I think that's why they got Bruce. And, by the way, I thought it was a good move for that reason because you'll have Bruce on his last year, and you can have him sitting there in your cleanup spot and you move Conforto to left field, and he can be your left field guy if that's where you want to play. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I don't think Cespedes is coming back. So, I, you know, I don't know where they're going to go spend the money. I don't know if those guys are out there. I really don't. I, don't, I, I think they're going to try and trade Granderson desperately and probably will. I don't think Curtis plays another game after this year. They're going to have to eat some of the money to do it. But I expect Granderson to be moved in the offseason. I feel very confident about that. Um, but I think they're going to try and win with their pitching staff. They're not going to trade any of the guys. They're going to come in and they're going to say, okay, DeGrom, healthy and cleaned out Syndergaard, healthy and cleaned out Matt, healthy Harvey, and a healthy Wheeler, and we're going to take those five guys and go try and win the World Series. That's what I expect them to do. Will they go set up Familia and spend maybe some more money to support Nattis and Reed with a lefty? They could, but I don't expect them spending a lot of money on hitting. I think they're going to go in there next year, and they're going to have Reyes at second base, and they're going to try and win with their pitching staff. I, I, I don't know where there is money to spend. I just don't. It's a, it's a terrible free agent market. Well, and, and you know, I, I obviously, you know, based on the tone of your voice, it, it's not a strategy you certainly would go with and not a strategy that necessarily you think can work. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I agree with you on that, quite frankly. Um, of course, I'm one of the few people on um, 
that's sort of the, hey, you invite me for Thanksgiving, I'll bring a nice glass, of, a nice bottle of wine. I'm very generous. <laughs> but uh, the, um, the uh, you know, the, the reality of it is, is if, if we wind up in, let's just call it a similar situation this time next year, um, provided the pitchers are healthy, is that when you look to deal one uh, for a bat, either at the deadline next year or in the offseason? Well, I think you have to do it before the year if you're going to do it. Um, the problem is who? DeGrom you want, right? Syndergaard you want. Mats, I don't think you're going to deal. Harvey, who, sure, maybe you deal. You can't deal because even though what he's coming back from is not an elbow injury, no one's going to do anything until they see him pitch like the Harvey of three years ago. You can move him at next year's deadline, but you can't do it before the year except for 10 cents on the dollar, which they're absolutely not going to do. And you, you know, standing with Wheeler, especially with the setbacks and how long it's taken, no one's going to touch him. So I don't think you can trade any of those guys. Now, they could trade their prospects, and the only one that I wouldn't move is Dominic Smith because first base is a gaping hole moving forward unless they're putting Conforto there. Uh, it's the only one. Ahmed Rosario. He, I, how, how many years am I going to wait? I've, look, Ahmed Rosario is not Carlos Correa. He's not Francisco Lindor. This is not Alex Bregman. So, you know, the idea that he, he's, this is not a franchise changer, it's not. If he was, he'd be on a way faster track. So I think that this is a system that's kind of weak, and not to their own fault, but what happens when you have Syndergaard, Matt, and DeGrom, and all your kids come up is all of a sudden now your system needs to be replenished because you got it all here at this level. I don't know that they can trade any of these pitchers. I don't. I think they're they're in a tough spot. So, you know, I think you, you, you try and eat some of Granderson's money and move him. Um, you go and trade for a center fielder because I don't know if there's any that necessarily on the market. Um, I think you're going to have to use some of your prospects to do that. And other than that, I don't know what you do. I mean, I, I, I don't know who's playing third base. I don't know who's at first. I assume they're going to hope it's Duda. Uh, Travis Darno behind the plate, they don't trust clearly because they tried to trade him. Uh, so, you know, what they do at catcher, I have no idea. It's kind of a team in flux. It's, it's interesting because they went from everybody's darling going into the season. I don't think they're a playoff team this year. And if they don't make some moves, they're not going to be a playoff team next year either. Uh, let's say this year ends the way that we're all kind of looking at it now, that this is going to probably end up being a team that's hovering around 500. If they remain above 500, I'll kind of actually be a little bit shocked given everything that's gone on. At that point, do you think that they give Collins the ax, or since they extended him, they say, you know what, you can come into next year with us as well? Here's the thing. I don't think TC is the best manager in baseball, nor do you, nor does anyone, right? But I think if they were to do that, it would be – a typical Mets thing, and even though the Mets Twitter would love it, and they all think, by the way, it would never be Wally Backman ever, but even nope. though the Mets Twitter would love it, um, I think it's a decision that is, is actually the most Metsy thing to do. This guy has made some stupid moves, the whole thing at the end of the game yesterday, the lineup, there's a lot of things, right, that have gone on. Does anyone think that he's the reason this team's not winning the division? Have we seen the team that they're putting out there and the guys that they have to play? I mean, it's more reminiscent of the lineups with Eric Campbell and John Mayberry Jr. than anything else. Uh, see, Logan Barrett, I mean, Bartolo Colon, that's not his fault. I would have traded and gotten Rich Hill. I said that a million times. He was gotten for nothing. Now, he still hasn't pitched because of the blister, but at least they could have tried that. I'd rather have Kashner here, who wasn't traded for much, for two months. They didn't do any of that. So, 
Would I be shocked if they fired him? No. Do I think it's fair or the right thing to do? I don't because I don't think he's had a hand that any manager, Bruce Bochy, could not win a pennant with the team that he's been dealing with this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm right with you there. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, some of the things Terry has said in the past couple of days have concerned me a little bit. Uh, but then again, <laughs> if I was dealing with all this stuff all year, I might be saying Babylon weird crap too. But uh, the uh, what I've tried to tell Mets Twitter and, and just generally who would listen, it's like, you know, I, you, you cult of Wally people can, you know, think what you want, but I guarantee you if the Mets let go of Terry Collins and Dick Scott sitting right there next to him is your next manager. Well, I, I don't know if it or would that be Scott. Or, I mean, that's the type well, of guy yeah, I mean, look, not I Wally think they'd love to, Well, look, I, I think they'd love to have Bud Black. I think Ron Gardenhire was a Met. You know, I, I think they're look, they would look to – they're trying to win now with these kids. They would look established guy. I actually don't believe it would be Scott because I think they would go right to the top of the list to the guys with the most experience. Uh, but it would never be Wally Backman. He is never going to manage – at this level, and if he does, it will be for a bad team, personal relationship, somebody that runs a team like the Rays or the Diamondbacks or somewhere out there where they don't know all the drama and there's some personal relationship. He will ne- there is no chance he's ever going to manage the Mets. They have no interest in him managing. He is not high on anyone's managerial list. And, you know, I understand Mets fans want to protest that or whatever, but there is no way on God's green earth that they're ever going to choose him over any other candidate. He's never going to manage for the Mets. You know, I want to go back a minute to something that you said twice already earlier in our conversation where you were saying that you uh, you liked the Bruce deal because the Mets really didn't give up anything for him. And I'm, I agree about the give up part, not so much about the liking of the deal, because I just don't see how you can put a, a lineup out there that could sustain itself with Duda, baby Duda, and Jay Bruce, and Seth in the middle of it. Well, I don't think Seth is going to be in the middle of anything. I think he's gone. And I think that's why they made the deal. So, you know, I think think they they would never say this, but I think they looked in the mirror and said, we're not that good. And I think that's what the – now – Again, it's like Twitter's 140 characters. I really wish I could have like a rational, like a seminar where we can like have a sermon to kind of teach Met fans how to be rational. But <laughs> if, this team, if this team thought they were good, they would have gone after Kashner, who cost nothing. They would have gone after Rich Hill. They would have gone after some of the pitchers on the back end, even the Hector Santiago's of the world. They would have tried someone because they know Logan Verrett's not any good. But they didn't do that. They would have tried to upgrade other areas. They would have realized and cared that center field had no center fielder. They didn't care because they know they're not any good. And they're not going to say that because they're in New York, and they're not going to say that because of the expectations of last year. So they're going to let this team try and do what it can do. But they made this move for 2017. That's why I like it. Because next year, if Conforto's not your first baseman, Conforto will be the left fielder every day against lefties, righties, and venditties and Jay Bruce will be in right field, and you're missing a center fielder, and Granderson won't play here, and Lagaris won't be the guy. Um, I, I think, th- And that ends up being their top target in the offseason to find a center fielder. I think that's what they're going to do. I think that's what they're leaning towards doing. That's why I like the deal, because I don't think Dilson Herrera is even going to be an everyday player at this level for a winning team. I don't, I've never thought so. I don't, I don't think he's good at all. Um, so I don't think they gave up much of anything. 
and I think the Reds got desperate just to do the deal. I don't think Nimmo's that good either, but I actually think he's better than Herrera. So, you know, I think the Reds just got desperate, and the Mets made a great deal, but I think they made a great deal for 2017 where Bruce is in right and Conforto's in left. Well, the other name that was bandied about a lot at the deadline was LaCroix. And it seemed like it, at one point, it seemed like it was more inevitable that it was going to happen than whether or not it would happen. I mean, I, the guy just seemed like a perfect fit for the Mets, and I'm not really sure how that one fell apart. Yeah, I don't know either. <clears throat> I don't know either. I mean, I will tell you this. The Rangers gave up, uh, you know, pieces for Lucroy. So, you know, that's, that's part of it. I mean, when you look at the two guys that they ended up giving in for Lucroy and Lewis Brinson and Luis Ortiz, these are their number two and number three prospect in their system. And the Rangers have a better system than the Mets do. So would you have been willing to go and trade Travis Darno, Ahmed Rosario, and Brandon Nimmo to go make this deal? You might have had to do that to make the deal. Nobody wants Travis Darno. He's a 27-year-old injury-prone guy who's a 15-home run bat with no defense and no arm. I mean, no one wants him. And I, I hate saying that. I'm, I'll always remember his home run off the apple in the postseason last year. But I think that'll be his biggest moment as a Met ever, and it's all going to be downhill after that. So, you know, that deal was well worth it anyway because you got Syndergaard for Dickey, but I don't think TDA is ever going to be anything except, you know, a, a cool nickname. That's it. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know that, that the Mets wanted to do that. I would have done that for Luke Croy because I think he had a great chance to extend him long term. Yeah, he had another year on his deal, but, but you know, look, where's, where's he been? He's been in Milwaukee. Like, if you told him you could be the catcher in New York for the next seven years, I don't think this is the type of guy that would have gone to free agency. I think you could have probably struck a deal for him to extend at some point in the offseason. So I would have done it, but I do think when you look at the prospects it took to get him, that's why the Mets didn't do it. Because if you look at the Mets prospects, that would have been like dealing Dominic Smith and Rosario to go and get Luke Roy, something that if, if they had done that, Mets Twitter would have exploded. Well, it's, I mean, obviously, you know, he, Luke Roy, I mean, I, he's the guy that, uh, you know, pretty much from the mo- moment you kind of realized TDA wasn't going to be last year's TDA other than, well, of course, the injuries. Um, the, uh, you know, the the minute that pretty much on this, oh, probably late April, EJ, I started going yeah. in on Luke Roy. And, you know, it was kind of definitely the emotional roller coaster that end wind up with Jay Bruce, but there's, you know, no slouch. But I think for some fans, it definitely feels like Jay Bruce is the consolation prize. But I, re- I really appreciate your angle on the, you know, the fact that this is a move for 17. Um, and I still think, you know, that, you know, that there, there are definitely hopes for next year, but uh, by golly, it looks like this could be just as bad. Yeah, look, they don't have – this is – last year got masked. If Cespedes doesn't do what he did for two months and Murphy doesn't do what he did for two weeks, that's two players going on individual runs. That team goes nowhere. They don't go to the playoffs. And they don't make a run once they get there, regardless of how good the pitching was. Now, this is not the San Francisco Giants who won all those years with pitching, but they had Posey and Pence and Sandoval. The Mets don't have those players. They don't. They don't have a core. They don't have an identity. I mean, other than Conforto – who, who are the other guys? There are none. I mean, you know, Jose Reyes, the Jose Reyes thing, the biggest problem with that outside of the domestic abuse and what he's done is that all you're doing is keeping yourself from growth. He's going to go clog up second base next year. For what reason? Because you have him on the cheap? Well, that's great. 
But, you know, if it's not Dilson Herrera, maybe there's a second baseman you could trade for. You know, maybe, look, if the Mets were willing to spend money, they could get Brandon Phillips tomorrow. The Reds would die to get rid of his deal, and I do think he'd come to New York. So, you know, there are a million guys that you could probably get, but now you're stuck there. What are you into at third base? You're stuck with David Wright there. Are you going to tell him to sit down? No, I think they should and have to. And I would have taken a run at Todd Frazier again during this deadline, who's got one year left. I'm not saying they won't go fight for him in a free agent season after next year because they very well might do that. But I, I, you know, I, I would have thought that he would have been an interesting guy to replace the right-handed bat assessment is. And then the other thing is, if you're trying to get on base and get away from the power and the strikeouts, and you look at Bruce, and you think about Duda and some of these other guys they have, where are you doing that? Like, who are you getting? Like, are the, are the Mets going to go and, and trade for, for who in center field? Like, are you, would Brett Gardner coming here? Like, I, I just don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they have a plan. But I, I said this you know, a month and a half ago. The Rockies were struggling. They were looking to possibly make deals. The Nationals and others were talking to them. Why the Mets didn't jump in on Blackman, I have no idea, because a left-handed hitting guy who could steal bases and play center field is something they way more importantly need moving forward than some of these other things they were looking at. You know, you mentioned uh, Brett Gardner, and although we are a Mets-centric podcast, I I feel the news of the day, we we couldn't have you on without touching on it. What are your thoughts about how the the whole A-Rod scenario played out today and uh, will play out for this this final week? I think it's interesting. I mean, I think clearly it's a forced retirement. I think clearly they said, hey, look, and, you know, I I believe it didn't get contentious, which was said in the presser, but I think clearly they went in and they said, look, we're going to release you either way, so you have two choices. You can either go ahead and you can get released and it could look bad. You're not good enough. Here you are on the side of the road. We'll pay you to go away. Or we could do it this way. You'll get a final moment. You'll get to, to step out of the box and tip your cap. You'll get to, you know, in an area where they might like you because down in Tampa you could fill the seats that will be empty with Miami people and followers, so it's a nice situation for him. Uh, you can go ahead and, and get paid but be an advisor, and they still left him with the opt-out that he can go play, which means you can go and sit there in the offseason and try and find another job if you want. You're still going to make your money. So I think it's a, it's a good situation for Alex to use Sandy Alderson. The optics of it are much better than they could have been. But I think it's a sad story because he's one of the more, I think, handful of most talented players that any of us have ever seen. And I'm not sure that anyone will ever remember that first. It's a very, very, very fair statement. Kind of turning to the overall picture, looking over the last, uh, you know, little under two months left in the regular season at this point. Uh, what, what are some big stories to watch around baseball? Well, I, I think there are a number of them. I think in the American League, for me, the AL Central has become very interesting because I think if the Indians get to the playoffs and if Danny Salazar is healthy, both which are ifs, but I think very important for Salazar to get back on the mound. Kluber looks fantastic right now. I don't think they can hit. I don't think, no disrespect to Brandon Geyer's family, that they got anybody at the deadline that can help them. So if Brantley's not healthy, I don't know what they're going to do. But they're an interesting team, a scary team to face because they're pitching if they get to the postseason, now with Miller on the back end and with Terry Francona as their manager. But the Tigers have woken up. They're starting to play better. I know this series was a split and Zimmerman's hurt, but they're a team that I I wouldn't want to mess with. So it's interesting to see kind of how that battle goes. The AL East. You know, are the Baltimore Orioles, now with Bundy pitching the way he is every five days, 
is that story going to really continue? And all of a sudden, maybe the Orioles, who haven't gotten enough credit from any of us nationally during the season, all of a sudden going to win the division and force themselves to get some credit, or will Toronto beat them out? I think that's an interesting story. And for me in the National League, you know, the biggest story of all is going to be, can anyone take down the Cubs? You know, right now it's going to be a major disappointment for anybody in Chicago if they don't win the World Series. And I don't mean like normal disappointment, like here's another year we didn't win. I mean like they're going to be the clear-cut favorites. They have tons of starting pitching. I think their bullpen right now is the best bullpen in baseball by name. Montgomery from the left, Smith from the right, then Rondone, then Chapman, and you've still got other guys. I mean, that bullpen is loaded. you got Joe Madden, who to me is the second-best manager in the game, to Bruce Bochy, and your lineup is loaded with young legs that are versatile and play all kinds of positions. So no matter who gets injured, you still have other guys. I mean, most teams don't have Baez, Soler, and Contreras. Their bench is going to be better than some of the other lineups they're going to play in the postseason. So I think of all, the biggest story clearly is can anyone take down the Cubs? And the team that I look to that I think has a chance to do that is the Nationals. Why? The one thing the Cubs hitters don't do well, hit hard fastballs. We saw that with the Mets pitching last year. We all know this. Scherzer and Strasburg, if they're doing what they're capable, can do those sorts of things to that team. And now they got Melanson on the back end. I think the Nationals are going to be a tough team for the Cubs to get rid of in October. You know, it's an interesting story for me of the of the deadline and of what I'm looking forward to right now is the frustration I feel as a Met fan after sitting through multiple rebuilds of multiple years. And then I watch our, our rivals across town. Essentially, their rebuilds are going to be done in two seasons from uh, all the moves that they made at the deadline. And, you know, I'm a pretty big critic of Brian Cashman, but I kind of felt like he knocked it out of the park on the deadline. Oh, they, they were the biggest winner at the deadline, clearly. I mean, the Rangers of the buyers – Cubs, if you include going back a couple weeks with Chapman, the Yankees are the biggest winner at the deadline. I mean, if you look at what they accomplished, to go and get the amount of top prospects they did for one two-month rental of the closer, who I've had several people tell me is guaranteed to come back to the Yankees, and he was telling people when he left in an emotional fashion that he'd see them in a couple of months. Now, that could wear off, but I think there's a good chance Chapman goes back there to New York, because remember, they're going to have money off the books, and there's no pitchers to spend it on. So, I think Chapman might very well be back in the ninth inning next year. So you traded two months of a guy you're going to re-sign anyway for the top prospect of a system with the best team in baseball. I mean, look who else has come out of the Cubs system. Schwarber, how's he? Bryant, he's pretty good. And Traris, how's he doing? So, you know, Glebar Torres is probably going to be a pretty good player. Um, I, I think what they did in the Miller deal was fantastic. I'm a huge fan of Clint Frazier. I think he's a better player than Aaron Judge, even though he's a very different player, more of a Cole Calhoun type of a you know, Jersey dirty, like Pedroia in the outfield kind of a mentality. He won't have the hair anymore, but I think he's going to be a, a fan favorite for the next decade in New York. Um, I thought they did a fantastic job in the Beltron deal. They, they, you know, took the money the rest of the year, but Dylan Tate, a talented prospect, plus two other picks is a crazy deal for two months of Carlos Beltron. And to find anyone willing to take Ivanova, I mean, that might be the greatest feat <laughs> of all. So I, I think Brian Cashman did a great job. I do think that they're going to spend one more offseason being careful. They'll probably re-sign Chapman, maybe go get a bat and not do much else. But they're just waiting in the wings, and they're doing exactly what everyone thinks. They're saving up. Brian Cashman even used the word super team. That's what they want. They want Harper. They want Machado. They want Trout. They want all the big names that are coming. And I think we're a couple of years away from the biggest expenditure we've seen in the history of any team in baseball in one offseason – 
I think we're a couple of years away from that, and it's going to be the Yankees who are going to do it. Well, Case, you know, I, I always appreciate your views, and I appreciate the, what you bring to the table. You know I agree with most of it. Well, all i got to say is never, never, never be tempted to work a day on a suicide hotline. That's all i got to tell you, my friend. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm not going to do that. I, I'm, I'm way too uh, realistic. I would, I would tell someone, no, you have no chance. You might as well jump. So I think Van Halen said that. So we're, we're good. But, yeah, no, I, look, uh, I, I hope, obviously, the Mets do well. But I do think in the, in the long and short, you watch Syndergaard as the RA over four, Matt, who I've heard from several people, is, is dealing with a lot of pain. You, you don't want that. We hear about bone spurs. Well, it can't make it worse, but it's certainly not making it better either. If they don't make the playoffs, I hope it happens with two or three weeks left in the season so we save 20, 30 innings on each of their arms, get them cleaned up, and get them ready for next year because I do think they have a chance to walk into next year with the best rotation in baseball. You know, ultimate, ba- ultimate baseball karma happened to be here, Case. You mentioned the Nova thing. I tweet out the other day on the deadline that I feel bad for Pirates fans. They finally designated John Neese for assignment, and now they have to take Yvonne Nova back. And it was literally less than 300 seconds, five minutes later, that the news broke that the Mets had reacquired Neese. Yeah, I, I don't. I thought we were just going to forget that part. That was like <laughs> somebody, somebody asked me just about 10 minutes ago before I came on, how happy was I? Uh, that Bastardo was gone, I said I would have been happier if it didn't require Nisa's return. So I, I, uh, I, I can't, let's not even, let's not even get into that one. But I think if you're, if you're looking to explain to people what organizations tell you, what they, what they want you to know. But I think if you're smart, you can read between the lines. The Mets had plenty in their system guys to go get a cash. These guys didn't cost anything. The guys at the back end, they didn't even try and do that. I think they know they're not good. Tend to think you're right. Casey, man, it is always a pleasure to talk to you, even if it's not always about good things. But uh, we'll definitely check in with you when we hit the off season, whether that's uh, the, the end of September or the end of October. Uh, we'll definitely Guys, check I in pre- with you and, and talk more. I appreciate that. I'm going to go get uh, my Deaza jersey. You get your Kelly Johnson jersey. And uh, <laughs> you get your Ty Kelly jersey. We'll get ready for the rest of the season. <laughs> Enjoy the Thanks, Casey. We appreciate it. Take it easy. As Casey Stern, MLB Network Radio. Of course, if you if you haven't subscribed to SiriusXM, make sure you do that. It's uh, definitely my favorite place to down, uh, hit the, for the baseball talk. Uh, I, I think even from a Nationals perspective, I said this for many many times. I think they hit our local baseball better than our local stations, as far as the New York radio dial is concerned. Um, the subscription is well worth it just for MLB Network Radio alone. Highly recommend it, and certainly highly recommend. Um, Casey's show, and uh, you know, yeah, you, you just got to listen. It's good stuff and uh, great callers. And I can say that having never actually called into the station, so I'm not biased. Uh, great callers. They don't make insane trade offers. They don't have bizarre ideas. But uh, certainly, as always, uh, EJ, I, I will say this. I was, you know, joking about the suicide hotline thing, but you and I were pretty down on the team before. We started our interview with Casey, and I feel like he knocked us down even a further notch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wasn't ready to punt 2017 just yet, but at this point I'm like, uh, 2018 might be the year I renew my uh, season tickets after all. <laughs> you know, the one thing I will say, there is one area where I disagree with him, and there's only one because I know what it is. he's absolutely right. I, I can't area. give up on the 19. I can't. Yeah, I can't give up on the 19 yeah. year old shortstop. It's like, how long have we waited? For, 
the kid's 19. <laughs> Jose wasn't even up at this point yet. Yeah, uh, I knew that so, you would I mean, definitely I, take, I, it, I think, take issue with that. I mean, that was pretty much the one thing where I'm like, you know, that one may be a little bit off base and jumping the gun. I don't know that you need an absolute Carlos. I mean, don't get me wrong. You have the opportunity to get a Carlos Correa, you go out and you do it. I, I have not hid one minute that I since I saw him play an A ball in California two years ago. I have an utter man crush on Carlos Correa. I, I'm not I'm unashamed in this. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, not every shortstop's Carlos Correa. Just like you know, ten years ago, and we talked about him just a few minutes ago. Ten years ago, not every shortstop was a rod. Uh, you know, you had a lot of good shortstops out there, and you know, at the same time. You look at uh, you know what's going on as far as Jeter and A Rod and all those types. You know, on the other side, how do you add Jose Reyes, who I think is a fairly similar shortstop to what Rosario is is going to be? And you look at a year like 2006, what team got further? The team yeah, Reyes. absolutely. Yep. They, and so they I had still the think you can do a lot of things with a Rosario type. Yeah, I agree. I I totally was with you on that. That. Just because of his age, I, I I wouldn't give him up right now. I want to see what his next two seasons bring about. <clears throat> I want to see what the development with him is. Um, obviously, he's not going to be starting the year in the majors next year, but I'd like to yeah. see a full boat of, or at least close to a full season of AAA to see what he would do. And I definitely think that he's a guy who you look around this organization and where the depth is coming from, and he's number two behind Dom Smith at a position that let's face it right now, you have no other prospects to fill. You are so hurting at that position that you can't get rid of him yet. Unless it was going to be for that shortstop of the future who was going to be with you for the next five years, you couldn't give up your future potential stud shortstop for a catcher, no matter how good that catcher is because your organization has nowhere to go to fill that shortstop void whereas the catcher void hopefully can be acquired via trade or via free agency at some point. And, I mean, as far as the shortstop void goes, I mean, we have, you know, people are probably yelling at their, at their podcasting device, whatever it may be, and go, well, what about Gavin Ciccini? Well, yeah, that's why the Mets are talking about converting him in the offseason the second Exactly. Um, yeah, he exactly. has 28 errors this season at shortstop, 28 um, in I believe it's 56 games or something like that. It, it's it, it's not good, uh, and it, you know his bat is phenomenal, and I think he's got a future in in Major League Baseball and maybe as a DH, quite honestly. But uh, he definitely has a future in Major League Baseball, and I you know I, I think that he, his draft pick was warranted. But at the end of the day, he's not a future Major League shortstop. He may be a very very possibly a uh, platoon uh, second baseman next year with Jose Reyes. That's certainly a possibility, and you know, I suppose you could learn from worse. Uh, converted shortstop to second baseman, teaching a converted shortstop to second baseman. But um, the um, the reality of it is, is, with this team, you know, that there is still talent in the system. It's just pretty stinking deep at the moment down there. Uh, I, I think you know these last two drafts have been good to this team, and I'm not, you know, there was a there was. A, we're pretty good on the cuff here on this program of being up to date with our you know, various friends like Joe DeMeo as to what we should, who we should be watching. Uh, but we got to have one of those guys on here soon because uh, a new name popped up the other day in the midst of all these trade discussions. And I got to know more about this guy. Have you heard about uh, Zapuki? <laughs> Just uh, briefly on trade deadline day. And it was, like I said, brief. 
I mean, this guy pitched into the sixth inning yesterday at Brooklyn uh, with a no-hitter. And it is not the first time in the last month he has done that. I believe the last time I looked, his ERA for the season was under a half a run. Wow. Uh, I'll bring up, you know, and I've talked about, uh, you know, several times about my uh, my uh, fascination with uh, Marcos Molina, who's currently out with a uh, Tommy John surgery. Getting that out of the way. Good job, Marcos. Um, you know, get back on track next season. But you know, when you look at uh, when you look at the statistics, I mean, it's it, they're just they're just they're pretty sick, actually. Um, and so it's kind of like this is the this is the guy I want to know more about. Uh, right now, he is one and two at Brooklyn uh, with a one point zero two ERA. Uh, he was two and one at Kingsport with a point six two ERA. Wow, so, that's uh, impressive. Yeah. So his his stats for the season are three and three with a point seven seven ERA. Um, he has uh, walked seventeen, struck out seventy six in forty six and two thirds innings. That's nearly two strikeouts an inning. Jeez, yeah, we definitely got to get uh, get Joe on and uh, kind of pick his brain about where this dude came from and what his uh, upscale potential could be. I mean, you know, I, I'm certainly not the expert that he is, but those numbers to me, those read like ace. Mm-hmm. That, Absolutely. Know, again, obviously, you know, if he's pitching in Brooklyn, a lot can happen. A lot of surgeries can happen. And pitching prospects, you know, are what they are. And, you know, of course, as our friend Casey, who was just with us, said, and I believe him to be true about this, prospects are cool, parades are cooler. No doubt about it. That is a name, uh, Thomas the Pookie. Uh, I could be saying that. I could be the Pookie. Uh, but um, that is clearly one thing I learned this week, a name to follow. So we'll have to have a discussion about that sometime soon, as well as uh, potentially another first baseman uh, that came out of this year's draft that could move almost as fast as Dom Smith up to the majors. So worth uh, Peter Alonzo, worth discussing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, the, the farm is well stocked. It's just not stocked right now to the point where, it will have an impact on us by the time these stud pitchers are ready to be negotiated with. Well, and the other thing too, is you look at Dilson Herrera and the, you know, I was definitely high on him to begin with. And probably around April or May, I started to realize this, this team is down on him and, and just kind of you know, started to let that go. And it's amazing. The revisionist history, because it's slightly incorrect what Casey said. Nobody in the Mets organization did say that he was the heir apparent except for one guy. Hmm. One guy declared him to be the next second baseman of the Mets. Who's that? Wally Backman. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> and at the end of the day, he does not speak for the organization. You know, people have to realize the Mets just didn't want Daniel Murphy back. It, it was – the most obvious of breakups that the only one who couldn't see it was Daniel Murphy. Now, is that the, we could argue for hours if that was the right or wrong decision. Um, certainly based on this year's play, it's a really good argument in favor of it being the wrong decision. But the, the reality of it is, is this is a guy, they didn't want him back. They, they tried to break up by email. They tried to break up by text. They tried to break up in person. And yet she kept showing back up at her work. I mean, that's, that that's just not cool. 
And so, I mean, you know, this, this Daniel Murphy wasn't taking the hit, so he went down and was the fourth choice. I mean, he wasn't even close to the Nationals' first choice. I mean, Brandon Phillips said no. Uh, uh, ben Zobris said no. Uh, you know, <laughs> so even then he was still the, the uh, you know, the sloppy seconds for the Nationals. So, I mean, all that to say, um, this is a guy they didn't want back. It wasn't that Dilson Herrera was this magical solution. I think they'd hoped he would be able to sit, step in and be that guy. But you have to remember, this was the guy who was a throw-in on the Buckbird deal. The centerpiece was Vic Black, who is an awesome guy, and I think he's still got a chance of coming back and being a decent relief pitcher in this league. I certainly hope so. He's one of the greatest guys we've ever met. Um, but um, he was the centerpiece of that trade, people. This was the Vic Black trade with Dilson Herrera thrown in. He was not on the Pirates' radar, and he's not even necessarily on the Reds' radar. They have four in their top 30 prospects, four second basemen. Four. They're stockpiling them. Doesn't well, sound like they have re- a lot of faith either. If you remember, there is one person who's extremely, extremely low on Dilson Herrera and has been extremely low on Dilson Herrera and actually, come to think of it, really didn't care that they traded Dilson Herrera and that was yours truly. And I took yeah. so much grief. It's probably my hottest take that has caused me the most Twitter beef that I've ever had. And it was over the fact that I said, Dilson Herrera, not a good ball player. So we'll see. He could turn out to be the next Brandon Phillips, and I could have the egg on my face. But I don't think so. You know, I, th- I think it's uh, – I, I cite in the middle, I think, you know, he did not look good when he was up last season. He absolutely did not look – good and I, I you know you, you go well he's a 20 year old kid and I'm the same you know it's the same thing with Ahmed Rosario only let's face it from the minute Rosario was in his, you know in this organization at 16 or whatever he was deemed the top five prospect uh but uh you know with Herrera I, it was kind of like I need to see more I need to see more and I finally started seeing more and coming around to it so I think that um uh, we'll definitely see how that plays out, but I don't expect we're going to be eating that one going, you know, now starting for the All-Star game at second base for the Cincinnati Reds, Dilson Herrera. I just don't think we're going to hear that. I don't think we're yeah, ever going to hear that. I think that he's he's utility infielder at best is my upside for him. I just never saw it with, with what I saw. It was strictly eyeball pass, but I never saw it. Anyway, uh, just before we wrap up, of course, the Mets have a couple games this week. I, I haven't even bothered looking at the schedule, to be perfectly honest. I, 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 but uh, the, uh, they'll probably win some. They'll probably lose some. It'll probably be about 500, and then we'll be back again with you next week. Uh, we'll, try to, we'll try to up the tone a little bit, but I think that uh, really, EJ, I think that relies on them, sir. Yeah, hey, you got a good matchup on Tuesday. You got Grinky versus Max. So that, should be a, that should be a fun little ball game. And you look at these – games coming up. It is teams you should beat. I mean, technically yeah, are. you are, even with the injuries, you're still, you should still be better than these teams. So let's see if they can go out and get a few this week. Let's just, let's start simple back to back. How about one back to back victory? And then, uh, then we can take it from there. Yeah. The, the old line from, uh, the major league comes to mind. If we win three in a row, that's what we call a winning streak. Uh, so we'll see if we can get back to this one, one after the other. Well, EJ, as, as always, it is a pleasure. Any last thoughts for you, my friend? No, that's it, man. Like I said, just go out there, win a couple of games. We got, we got some of the good pitchers on the hill this week, so hopefully they go out and take them. And like you said, much better tone for next week coming in. 
Who knows? Uh, Absolutely. If I don't have to if I don't have to break out the hashtag quest for five hundred this week, that'll be good enough for me. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Sir. Of course, we also appreciate Casey Stern joining us from Sirius XM Radio, MLB Network Radio. Pick it up. Uh, make sure you visit uh, Sirius XM and sign up for that service because, like I said, it's for a subscription service. It is awesome, and I think it's a tremendous upgrade over what you get for free, and they are not a paying advertiser. Not, I'm not an endorser. Just enjoy the service and encourage my fellow Met fans and baseball fans to pick it up like I have. Um, so I can assure you it is a free plug. We receive nothing for that. Uh, nor do we seek it. So uh, appreciate Casey Stern. As always, you can follow him on Twitter at Casey Stern, uh, Casey with a C, C-A-S-E-Y, Stern, S-T-E-R-N. And, of course, you can follow EJ at The Happy Recap, and you can find me at The Real Who. And the errant uh, Ryan, who's seemingly abandoned us yet again, and we're dealing with the emotional turmoil resulting from that, uh, you can find him at Bay Country Griffin. You can you know get him to explain where his ass has been the past couple months. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in. I uh, appreciate you dealing with the slight hiatus we had during the summer months. Uh, we'll be back with another program next week where we'll talk Mets baseball. Until then, let's go, Mets. Mets.